Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's special guest is PGA Tour representative for Callaway Golf. Known him forever. And we're going to do a deep dive into golf equipment, club fitting, What's it like to work with the best players in the world, with the best equipment in the world? Kellen Watson. Kellen, thanks for coming on The Verge, buddy. Thank you for having me. This is a uh, long overdue since <laughs> I'm trying to push this back, but uh, we are finally in a place, me and my wife, that uh, now I have time to get away during the day, the oh, weekday. So. Excellent. Yes. Fantastic. Well, you know, one of the things that I think most people don't understand is the importance of club fitting. You've been in the club fitting game for a long time, and you've seen. You know, I didn't even think it's funny. Like how many how many tour players really don't know their equipment? Yeah. Like you'd think they'd know their equipment, and then if the, if the best players in the world, some of them, not all of them, but some of them don't know, then what's the average golfer not knowing, which is substantial. In your in your history of of, of club fitting and all the things and people you've been around, what's the what is your take on club fitting and how important is it for people to take their game to the next level? Here's the funny thing about it is I'll try to, I'll try to tell you about the importance of it, but there's, there's, there's kind of a fine line to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'll start with the, the tour pros. Some of the tour pros, some guys know a ton about everything they have. Uh, Those are the same guys that'll, that'll, um, tell you exactly what they want and mm-hmm. they know their stuff mm-hmm. then there's some guys that just play golf essentially mm-hmm. and then there's that kind of that gray gray middle where some guys will know a little bit but not they'll a lot hear it from mm-hmm. other guys and try to kind of pass it along as their own um but you can kind of tell mm-hmm. um and then you, you get to the consumer uh the recreational golfer and i think you know coming from my side of things for so long I find it easier when I when I help out with some of these demo days, if anything, 
the more consistent the, the recreational golfer is, uh, even if he's a 12 handicap. He might be a 12 handicap because he can't putt very well or something. Yeah. His short game's not that great. But, you know, you look at him strike a ball, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think that's where one of the things that club fitting is the easiest and also the most difficult is when you have a guy that, that can't have – can't swing consistently yeah, two no times around. Yeah, there's no repeatability. It's so much, it makes your job so much tougher. Mm-hmm. But if you can get him in a, you know, it's kind of the, something that we call on on, on tour. It's a, it's kind of a compensation fit. Uh, you know, the guy's going through struggles with the swing. Mm-hmm. He's working on things, but he can't take that next step to, uh, you know, get it to where it needs to be because he needs to keep playing every week. Yeah, he's stay employed. Um, he needs to try to try to make a check and he can do it with the rest of his game. Say if it's, you know, a compensation fit for a driver, you know, I'm losing it this way. Everything else is great. Short game's great. Putting's great. Irons are great. Um, you kind of compensate that fit. Um, and then he might take a week off and get things back together. But, Got it. you know, the importance of, of the club fitting at a recreational level is, is kind of paramount. I mean, if you're doing exactly what the pros are doing, yeah. if you're trying to hone your craft, uh, even if it's just a weekend game, I mean, that's, I mean, it's the easiest, easiest thing to say, yes, I need to go get fit like the best players in the world get fit. It'd be yeah. like the same thing as if, if you're practicing like, you know, anybody that plays basketball or football, you're trying to get the best at your craft. Now, obviously, you don't have a recreational, you know, football player. Mm-hmm. But you have a recreational basketball guy that plays at the gym, you know, two, three nights a week, but... Get as much information as you can. I, I like to tell people, if you're going to buy golf clubs um, and you're not that great at golf yet, the fitting process, you kind of learn. Learn the game first. Yeah. When you can get to where you can make consistent swings, then obviously you know, reach out to one of the professionals in your area and uh, yeah. you know, just kind of go through the process because it's a nice process to see too. Oh, but, certainly. Um, that's probably the... <laughs> You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's a moving I, target too. It's it is, so tough. Yeah. When and, and then like one of the things that I'm I'm what really interesting because I hear this question a lot asked to me. They want to hear these answers on the podcast. Is the golf ball? So the golf ball before the grooves changed. What was that? Two thousand seven or two thousand eight when the grooves uh, changed? Right. I want to say it's maybe six. No, I think it was uh, two thousand nine. Was it nine? I think it was my. This was my second or first year out on the tour, so it was, I think it was 2009 because that was the year that, yeah, 2009 because that's the year that uh, Appleby shot 59, and that's you know, right. it was kind of a well, what what do the grooves have to do with anything? Yeah, you know. So like that that was my favorite ball, which was the Hex Tour, mm-hmm. and I see now that the dimple pattern on the Chrome Soft X is back to that maybe sharper edged, right? Um. They're not dimples, but the, you know, it, they're sharper edged than they have been, mm-hmm. and it is noticeably, noticeably firmer, mm-hmm. which also happens to be noticeably longer. Yeah. And like, so I thought going into this year that the the diamond Chrome Soft X that came out mid wow, late yeah. summer mm-hmm. last year was the best ball they've ever made. It was it was the best of both worlds. It was super long, but really spinny around the green. Right. So now they've made it even firmer, mm-hmm. but it still spins like that. So yeah. it's, I'm, I'm hitting my irons seven yards longer, which is really – that's thrown me off because I got my irons all dialed in, and now I'm hitting it over greens, and I'm, like, shaking my head. 
And then the driver is like 11. Is that what, about what they're seeing on the, on the tour? Or what's, the, what's the deal behind the ball? Why should we be so excited about it? And talk to us about the cord and the cover and why it's going to change the game. Well, I mean, you know, it's a it's a testament to what to what Chips done too, and Chips mm-hmm. Chips put a lot of money into our ball factory. And uh, this week on Monday in Hartford, you know, Chick a piece forty five minutes up the road for uh, me and Jacob Davidson, who's the manager on our tour. We went up there on Monday afternoon and took a whole guided tour of it with uh, with the guy who uh, the the plant manager and and another guy that kind of will manage it after. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm Smith, who who took us through, he'll he'll go back to Carlsbad at some point, but uh, yeah. Algus uh, will take over the whole plant, um, and it's uh, it's incredible to see what they're doing. Uh, it's incredible the changes that they've made. Uh, you know, we're pumping a lot of money into it. Uh, the just the the factors that the ball goes through to get to the finished product is 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 quite amazing. Um, the level of detail. Um, just the checks upon checks upon checks throughout the process. Um, and, and it shows with, with all these guys playing well, like Dylan Fratelli last week at, at Heritage, you know, sent us a nice note saying, you know, I was kind of hesitant about the ball coming into his contract with Callaway, but now that I, you know, this is making me pay, play my best golf. Yeah. So we get all these stories from these guys, Leishman and Xander and, you know, some of the guys down from there. But uh, the ball has... The ball has gotten quite quite better. Yeah, and Cause, it's because it's interesting because last year the my golf guy my uh, golf spy group yeah. group was doing all kinds of investigating on all the golf balls. Yes, and they they sh- they found a weakness so to speak, and Chip took that mm-hmm. and said, "Well, first thing, this isn't ever happening again." Right. And okay, so we we see now that we have some things we need to tidy up. And my goodness, have they ever. Yeah. Talk to us about what they've done at the plant to ensure that what the My Golf Spies guys found isn't going to be happening any longer. Yeah. And it's going to – I think it has the potential to really alter the golf ball performance uh, I, going forward I, for sure. And, I, I, you know, uh, we have one of the biggest RDs in the world too uh, as a golf company. And, and, I mean, it shows. It's, you're kind of awestruck as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah. Uh, the new mixer that we have – uh, that's mixing the rubbers and all the other, uh, all the other products that go into the golf ball. And then they kind of took us kind of through the, the life cycle of the golf ball. Um, and just kind of the touch and the feel and the seeing and, and what, what's going on with it. Uh, and then the, the analysis of all the, the machinery that, and the robotics that we have in there, there's not many pneumatic machines anymore. It's all mm-hmm. robotic machines. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, we should be, <laughs> there's, there's a couple parts of the tour that I thought were, you know, a little bit more standout than others. And I, I shouldn't have, I guess, thought they were cooler than some of the other stuff because mm-hmm. we didn't spend as much money on that side of mm-hmm. things. But uh, just, just, you know, the visual, the visuals, um, the, the cross sections of the core, the cross sections of the cover, the mantle and everything, and just how in detail some of these machines take it. Uh, you know, you're looking at a screen, you're seeing the whole ball itself. I mean, it's being scanned. I can't remember the exact number, and I should have taken notes on this when I went through, but, uh, you know, getting to the mixing process, the cutting process, getting into the little, um, almost look like uh, plugs from aeration, you know, Uh, and then 
getting to that to the forming of it with robotics uh, you know the plugs going in a tray the robot coming down grabbing them hot press in the oven you know on them to a cooling station and then dropped off and then inspected again for roundness and oh wow i mean it's 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 incredible mm-hmm. you know and they're doing 3d 3d scans of every golf ball that go through that plant so i i want to say there was probably three or four scanners so everything's going out. And, and I mean, you really want to see, you know, you want to see when that ball comes off after it's scanned. You want to see the one that, that goes in the good pile and one that goes in the bad pile, see what the difference is. Mm-hmm. And we got to see that after kind of the uh, the cover was, you know, on and the visual defects, you really couldn't even see it. This one got scrapped because of this, but you had to look all the way around the ball to see it. There's just so many scans going on in this one now this new plant, the, the plant, the restored plant, renovated plant, mm-hmm. um, that I think, you know, we're, we're, I believe we're head and shoulders above any other ball company. So, yeah, it's interesting. Cause they've, we've been chipping away at oh yeah the, the ball market for mm-hmm. about probably 10 years now. Yeah. The market share has, our market share has gone up. So. Yeah. It's very exciting. Well, all the, you mentioned it, what were, what were the exciting things or the things that kind of blew you away that yeah. were really cool? But it was like, the, it, it was, it was like the, the younger me. Yeah. That I thought was really cool. You know, I mean, it, it, it just some of like the paint that we were watching the triple track paint go on. Oh, um, yeah. And that was, you know, it was just one of the things that I found interesting. And some of the, the, the one scan was, I mean, just the robotics going through it. And, you know, there's five, six LED lights with a camera right behind it going. I mean, it's just, it, wow. it's kind of mind blowing to see what's going on through it. Um, but yeah, I should have been more. <laughs> should have been more excited about the, the stuff that we spent a lot of money on. So That's I don't know if that was yeah. Well, so so many people one dream about playing on the PGA Tour, and then because like like point zero two percent of those ever make it, mm-hmm. and then there's people like me who teach golf and end up teaching players on the tour, and then there's the fitness guys and the sports psychologist guys, and then there of the the tour van guys mm-hmm. out there. Talk to us about what it's like to work with the tour players and give me some like some of your highlights, personal highlights of working with some of the guys on the tour that it's really awesome to be around. Yeah, I think the the one the one misconception I get from some of my friends and some of the guys that or the people that I'll meet is that, you know, that must be the greatest thing. I mean, it's still a job. You mm-hmm. know, you're still you're still traveling away from your family, you're still getting on a plane every Sunday, coming home every Wednesday or Thursday morning, depending on what you know, what some of these airlines have in store for you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's still spending a lot of weeks on the road. It's, it's, it's a, it's very core concentric group of people and you've known them for, you know, I've known most of these guys for 13 years now. So it's not like it's anything different. And the various companies that I've been with on tour kind of allowed me to know some of these guys a little bit more, you know, now being with Callaway, I left Cal. I was I was with the PGA Tour for two years just before this, but I've come back to Callaway. So, you know, you get to know some of the the, the people from the other manufacturers a little bit better when you're kind of in like in a Switzerland position. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, you know it's kind of a big family. You know, I'll, I'll say in the Corn Ferry Tour the last two years and then 2016 and some of 2017 on the Corn Ferry Tour when I was still with Callaway. That's you know that's kind of your that's kind of your family aspect to it. There's mm-hmm. still a little bit of, you know, uh, push and shove on the PGA tour because there's a little bit more 
there's a bigger eye on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everybody knows everybody, everybody's going to help everybody out until the point, you know, when you're trying to battle a jockey for position yeah. with some, some guys. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's yeah. It, I work in professional sports. It's yeah. weird to say. Um, I help some of the guys that are the greatest in the world, but you know, I'm just a small piece of the pie when it comes to what what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm not hitting any of the shots. I'm not. I'm not taking any of that adrenaline to the course. You know, mm-hmm. they they have a they have a they have a really tough job, um, and I'm just trying to set them up with the best equipment they can mm-hmm. play, and that's you know. They're honing a craft. I'm honing a craft. I'm gathering more information from them. They're gathering their, their own information from their teachers. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, the more that I gather, the more that I absorb from them, mm-hmm. the better that I can do my job. Um, and I think that's, you know, in any any business, it's, you know, if you're actively listening, I think you're going to do a lot more than if you're, uh, you're providing, you know, or, or you're talking. Yeah. So, um that's the I think the biggest thing in 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 my world is actively listening to these guys. Mm-hmm. Some of them I have great relationships with. Some of them I'm just starting to get to know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's kind of I don't know. And I talked about this with a, with somebody on another podcast, and I don't know what science it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's anthropology or something, the study of human beings. It's kind of we need to kind of take that to our job yeah. because not. Not one of the, not two of those guys are exactly saying, alike. Yeah, no kidding. You know, they could be alike personality wise, you know, the banter back and forth, but then, you know, you have to break it down to their swing. So yeah. what are they doing? What's mm-hmm. what's club path? What's this? What's that? What's what what's the preferred shot? You yeah. know. So it's um, I mean, you're treating everybody a different way. Yeah. Um and, you know, snowflakes. Not 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 in the yeah, I know what you're modern saying. Yeah. term, but as in snowfall, yeah. uh, none of them are alike. Like, interesting. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a job. It's a lot of fun. You got to, you get to see a lot of things, but there's, there's, you know, it's hectic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, Guarantee it. so it's, uh, as calm as you can be, you know, I always preach, you know, make it perfect. Don't rush it. You know, it's, 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 tough but it's rewarding at some point yeah. but uh I, I i i don't you know i don't i don't want any recognition i'm not doing yeah. it i'm not hitting a golf ball so yeah. what's it like working with phil mickelson uh i've only done it a couple times what's it like though it's i mean it's what you expect um he's got his he's he's kind of in that crowd of he knows what he wants he knows golf you know if if you're going to suggest something then you know he's already said it you know he's already laid that out kind of he's given you kind of a vague vague way to go and it kind of leads you to you know input what what you might think mm-hmm. but usually he has kind of a plan already in place and just follow those steps and you know if it's easy very detailed is he not very very detailed so i don't get to work with him too much he works with a lot of he works with a lot uh back in carlsbad when he's at you know our performance center yeah uh and he came on the truck a couple times this year, but it was very brief moments. Mm. Um, How about Xander Shoffley? Good kid. Yeah. Very good kid. And I knew him when, uh, I know you know Mike Sposa. Oh, yeah. So me and Mike Sposa went out to the web in 2016 after working on the tour for like three or four years. So 
Mike ran the tour and I was working for him. And that's when I first met Xander. Um, tried to get him in. See, he was a tailor-made guy at that point, but, you know, might as well. Uh, we did some things with Odyssey putters out there. So I was, you know, mm -hmm. Xander, let's, you know. So I knew at that point and watching him hit some golf balls, watching him putt, you knew he was going to be really good. Um, and Stefan, his dad, I mean, always there, kind of helping him. And Austin, his caddy, still his caddy. So um, you knew he was he was capable of very big things. But um, at the time, you know, like, you know, 26th on the money list on the web, missed ice card by one spot, oh. you know, maybe $1,000 or something here or there. But got his card through uh, the playoff events. Um, and then, I mean, just the, the, the rise, yeah. you know, the consistency of, of his game. Um, God, he's good. Yeah, he's really, he's really good. good. The thing is, he, he's kind of gotten on the bad end. A couple of guys have in this semi-similar situation where they play really awesome at major championships, and they could have, should have won, but that one person, he and Ricky Fowler seem to be on right. the wrong end of somebody else's greatest week more than anybody else. Hey, well, I mean, that only That's, teaches you one thing, right? I mean, through our through our mistakes or through just one mistake, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna learn something about yourself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's. He's, he's super bound, consistent. He's bound got, and determined. Yeah, and he's he is strong from driver to putter. Right. Probably the putter is the weakest point in his bag, but he's still a good putter. Yeah, he's you know it, it, it's funny to see him because sometimes it's when the field gets stronger, his whole game gets stronger. Um, mm. He kind of he plays up to the level because um, he's always in the mix in the yeah. majors. Oh yeah, and even like uh, you know the beginning of the year uh, at the players. Uh, not the players, uh, tournament of champions. Yeah. And then, you know, coming back at colonial, um, you know, the fields, fields getting better, you know, top 50 in the world, whatever, maybe mm -hmm. playing with the exception that some of the guys haven't traveled from Europe. Um, but I think he plays, he plays up a level when, when, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. you know, fierce competition around. Sure. Um, but I mean, that goes for a lot of the guys. I, I think they, they relish that opportunity to play against, you know, one, two, three, four, five in the world sure. or something. So, another guy who doesn't get a lot of credit and once again falls a little bit short when it, on the right times is Mark Leishman. Another guy uh, who's always into mixing major championships. Yeah, seems to be one of the coolest guys on the tour, one of the mm -hmm. nicest guys you want to be around. What's what's your take on Mark Leishman? Not, yeah, you, you pretty much pinpointed it. Nicest guy, one of the nicest guys on tour. Um, just consistent, you know. Um, and, you know, you kind of get an idea of him, too, is because you don't really see him that often. You'll see him on the range and passing, but, you know, in these past couple of weeks, he really hasn't needed anything. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's some guys that will, you know, need a little bit more than others. There's some guys that will find, you know, the answers in the dirt. Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of one of those guys that if, if there's really nothing pressing, you know, it might be a, hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Everything's good. Yeah, perfect. See you later. But, I mean, really good guy. Uh, kind of one of the boys too. Really, know, got his own beer. So I mean, if you're making your own beer, then I mean you're, you're obviously one of the boys. Um, so yes. it's uh, he's like a breath of fresh air too. There's a lot of there's 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 quite a few of those guys out there. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to me, I love everybody. Gotta yeah. love everybody. And you, so you, you're you in your do. job. You gotta love yeah, everybody. Absolutely. There are some people that are not lovable, though. True story. But, but we don't talk about those guys. Exactly. But there are some tougher pills to swallow. Right. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes, I mean, you know, that's what you got to do. Mm -hmm. You know, they might not be. I mean, to continue to, to you know, improve, you got to be thought foolish and stupid. So mm -hmm. you might as well work with the guys that you 
aren't lovable, yeah. uh, it'll make you better. Yeah, good point. So uh, that's it, a really it, good point. If if you always if you only work with the guys that you think you're friendly with, and I mean, where have you gone? Yeah, you've never you've not gotten to that next step yet. So very true. Another player that doesn't get as much recognition fights like a bulldog, Kevin Kisner. <laughs> I mean, his like you look at him, he's not a big guy. Yeah. His golf swing is like two turns in a whoosh. There's nothing like right. it's just pretty steak and potatoes. And, and he is always in the mix when it matters too. Mm-hmm. He hasn't broken through yet either, but it's, he's just yeah. waiting. He he, Xander and Leishman, all three of them are sitting in that boat like, yeah. I'm just going to keep playing well, and I have to come out on the right side yeah. some, one of these days. It's same, and it's same thing with him and him and Xander and, and Leishman. I mean, Leishman, they're all consistent. They all rise to the to the level of competition that you know. You put more good players out there, they're going to you know take that as a sign of hey, I, I can do this too. So mm-hmm. um, then you see that from his match play record and, and, and all the match play he won and um, his Presidents Cup stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, and he's one of the guys too. Is you he? Know? And we, and he was one of the guys that came over uh, probably 2014, I believe he came over, or maybe 13. I think it was 14. Um, and you know, I, he's you know, drink a couple beers, uh-huh. do this, do that, have fun. Um, and you know, you've heard him on other podcasts with the guys from Foreplay and. Mm-hmm. and uh, kind of going throughout the majors and telling himself that he does has a zero chance in any of them you know but he's kind of you know like me i say always i always say low expectations yield high results so i mean he can tell himself that but you know inside he wants to oh yeah he wants to beat everybody so um he's always good for a one-liner when you see him every yeah. week uh it could be uh semi-degrading but you take it <laughs> take it take it with a grain of salt so uh, he's no longer with Callaway, but uh, a polarizing figure in golf is Sergio Garcia. Yeah. What do you? What's your take on the times that you spent with Sergio in his game? Did I? I did a couple things. I, I didn't do much because um, he came on board the end of seventeen. Uh, I did go down to Austin to work with him for a couple days. Um, incredible ball striker. Yeah. Um, the swing is something that I, you know, um, he might not, I think he might be just a touch older than me, but I remember watching him on TV when I was still, you know, playing junior golf. Yes, he stuff. was 19 in 1999, so he's 40. Yeah. So, he's going to be 40. He had two years on me. So, yeah. I was still watching him at that time. So, um, I mean, the action is just the same thing repeatable, repeatable, repeatable. Um, like he and Charles Howe the third are the two players that strike me as the ones that have gotten the least amount of victories, plenty of money, but right. the least amount of victories out of outrageously awesome ball striking. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Sergio's won plenty, and Charles Howe's won like three times. Right. But Charles Howe is more like known to be an ATM machine than he is a winner. Right. Yeah. And he's so good. So what a nice guy too. Charles yes. Howe the third. Yes. Is. He's in that group of guys with Stricker and Nick Price and Sneds. Uh-huh. Like, everybody's – even Rory has that way about him of every – like, it's hard to find somebody if I've got bad, something bad to say about Rory. No, I don't think there's anybody. And I think I think a lot of guys like him now because he's very honest with the media. Yeah. Uh, I think they he said a lot of things in the last couple of years that, that they've wanted to say, but they don't just – you know, it depends on how – 
you know, the skewing of, of, of words by, by some of these columnists yeah. and these journalists or, you know, it's not in your best interest to do it. But I think he's, uh, he's been a breath of fresh air when it comes to honesty. So. Yeah, I think like he and Spieth and Justin Thomas and Fowler grew up watching Tiger. Mm-hmm. And Tiger was, he got burned early mm-hmm. and then he shut it off. Yep. And he was like, he just had a Rolodex of cliches. And he didn't give you anything. Right. And then these, those four guys said that they, almost like they, they collectively wanted to give the, the fans more. Right. I mean, Tiger just one throw off after another throw off. It never yeah, it gave like you anything. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. yeah. I'm just here to talk to the media. Yeah. Not get fined. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. right. And, and to me, like, that is... That is refreshing, but like Jordan Spieth takes it to a whole another level because he's telling you what he's thinking as he's, as right. he's, you know, he's walking into the ball, mm-hmm. and, and it's, he kind of reminds me of Phil a little bit, and all of them like they both, all four of those guys have a little bit of Phil and a little bit of Tiger, yeah, in them. They're like a blend of the two because Phil's like Arnie, and Tiger's like Jack, you know, yeah, go a little more closed, vested, yeah. you know, doesn't really offer much, although he's offering more. Uh, yeah. And this, I don't know if it's 9.0 or 2.0, but it seems like a, a, a significantly different version than the 2000. And he's found he's found a couple outlets too. Um, I can't remember her name. The girl that does uh, the stuff at home with him, she works for I think it's the European station golf something. No golf TV. Yeah, Henny. Henny Zool. Henny Zool. Yeah. yeah. So he's she's kind of on the inside now too. Mm. Um, and he'll, he'll he'll offer a lot up to her, and I think that's good too. So that's yeah. an outlet that we can get more kind of in depth. But these two these two match things uh, last year's and this year's, I think that kind of opens it up to a, a different side of him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the side that um, if you were inside the bubble for the you know for, since '97, you'd be like, eh, that's typical Tiger. But I mean, up being everybody pretty much being outside the bubble. You know, they've never seen that before. Yeah. They've always seen the stoic face and, uh, you know, kind of that determined look with the, the hands, you know, on the front of the bill of the cap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this kind of sheds a little bit more light into his life. So, What's it like being around the goat? I, I, not much? Yeah, no, been. not really. No. Not, a, not anything at all. You know, it, passing, that's about yeah. it. I don't, uh, I don't usually get starstruck at all about anybody. Yeah. There's only one person, and that was a couple of years ago when we were in Florida, and I was about three feet from Michael Jordan. So that's about it. That that'll, that'll never shook his hand though. No, I mean he was talking to uh, who was he talking to? Um, gosh, I'm gonna ruin this. Gosh, what's his name? President of uh, Seminole, big hedge fund guy in the city. Oh God, I can't think of that. Friend of the friend of the friend of the company too. Uh Jimmy Dunn. Jimmy Dunn. Jimmy yeah. Dunn. Yeah. So I guess Michael and Jimmy play a lot of golf down there. Uh, and we were doing stuff for Jimmy. We were fitting him into a new drive. I think it was Epic at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was on the range. And Michael came over and uh, some kind of small bet they had a couple of weeks ago. But Michael paid Jimmy off. And he was like, as soon as he left, Jimmy's like, that's the thing about him. He might be one of the biggest in the world, but. You know, he remember you owed me a couple dollars. So oh yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Didn't shake his hand. That was the only thing. Interesting. I've never asked for aut- I don't ask for autographs. Yeah. I don't like autograph stuff. You know, like an Arnold Palmer or something. I shook I shook his hand. You know, I don't know how many times parking the trailer at at uh, Bay Hill, but I don't need an autograph. Yeah. I mean, I shook your hand. I'm the just, king. Yeah. 
Now there is a legend. Yeah. What's your What's your time with Arnold Palmer been like? There's been There's been quite a few times him coming on, being a kind of a Callaway ambassador uh, at Bay Hill, uh, and you know that's really cool. Um, not too many stories, kind of in the middle of the week with stuff and and busy running back and forth, so didn't get down, didn't get time to kind of sit down and kind of pick his brain about a lot of stuff. But uh, you know, there's there's been trying to figure out who else because usually you see them at the Masters. You know, Gary Player coming on the trailer, mm-hmm. trying to make me feel skinny, just you know, hitting me in the stomach and saying that I was skinny. I was like, oh, thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> it was the first person in a while. Um, but one of the coolest things was when I was at True Temper, I was with True Temper for four years. Uh, I worked with Craig Nichols, who now works for uh, KBS on the tour. Mm-hmm. But he was at uh, True Temper with me. And uh, Bobby, Bobby Nichols would always come because Rick was uh, Rick is still at Nike. Rick Nichols and Craig Nichols, Bobby's sons. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rick's kind of like Tiger's right-hand man at Nike. But uh, Bobby would sit in the trailer, at, and it was the PJ Championship, so there's really not much going on, mm-hmm. especially in the True Temper trailer. But I'd be like, you know, Bobby, just go ahead. Start going. And he would tell stories the whole day. And yeah, some awesome. of the cool stuff I've ever heard. Because he'd been around the game for oh my who knows gosh. how long. Yeah, no kidding. He's got a portrait, you know, kind of a picture of himself in, in Louisville, hanging on one of the buildings because in-laws live up there, and my brother lives up there. So you see it every time. You see it every time going out to 64 or something. Uh, it's like Bobby's Louisville. So, I mean, the stories he got uh, that he has are amazing. That's so cool. So I never got to, you know, that was one thing. Kind of, you know, didn't get really didn't really get that much time with Arnold Palmer. Shake his hand, say hello. How are you doing, sir? But not a whole lot. That would have been. That would have been. Yeah, that's that, been quite interesting. Like when you're around him, he makes you feel like he's known you for years. He's got right. this bizarre. Arnie was so great. Mm-hmm. Like he just he, he never met a stranger. Right. Ever. Such a great guy. Yeah. Another popular conversation point, and I think it's going to come to a head thanks to Bryson DeChambeau, is uh, this distance conversation. Are we going to need to roll it back? Do we need to slow the drivers down? Do we need to shorten, like, make the heads smaller? Do we, what, what do we need to do? So you got like people like Scott Fawcett, who's a golf course management guy, and mm-hmm. he's like, I have never heard anybody tell me that they need to hit it shorter. Right. And well, like vast majority of the people who play the game need to hit it longer. I mean, I just saw this. This is an awesome stat. In 2010... No, I'm sorry, in 2000 and 2010 and 2020. You know, 2000 was the year that the Nike the Nike TW tour accuracy came out and then and on, in October, late October Pro V1 came out. Mm-hmm. And the ball world changed completely forever right. after that. The average golfer hit at 220 then and the average golfer hits at 220 now. Right. And it's literally 9 9 inches different between 2000 and 2020. But the difference on the tour is almost 41 yards. Right. Do you think bifurcation is is a is the way to go, or do you feel like we just need to let them play and, and, and just let it go? Because I mean, they, you look at if you were to say look at uh, look at the forty times of guys at the combine in two thousand, and then look at you know when was Chris Johnson drafted? Probably oh four maybe. Hey, was he that? Is that? Well, well that he, would make him probably. Maybe two, maybe no. I would say no later than two thousand eight or nine. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, all these guys are getting stronger and faster too. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing football anymore. Yeah, so I mean, everything's going to change. Yeah. Uh, 
And some of these guys are just going to go, you know, they're going to change too. They're going to change their bodies to hit the ball further or be better at the game. I so. mean, Bryson DeChambeau yesterday on 13, which is 370-yard carry over yeah. the water, carried the water. That was balls, uh, balls, 17. 17. 17. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was a misprint because I just looked at it. Yeah. Misprint on the in the article. 200.1 yeah. mile-per-hour ball speed. Right. Holy cow. But, uh, I mean – nothing against Bryson. I mean, he's a great golfer, but, you know, he didn't win last week. <laughs> no. He didn't win one week before. No, but so. he's, he's definitely catching people's attention. Right. But, I mean, until... Until he wins. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, think about the, the perfect storm of bifurcation is in November if Bryson goes to Augusta National and starts rolling out 395 tee balls yeah. and flipping wedges into par fives. And like does what Tiger did in '97. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we'll be playing marshmallows in right. January. <laughs> and I just, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't. These are professional athletes. Yeah. You know, I like, just, I, I don't that, get it. Think the average, the average fan, and big word, and the golf traditionalists that are still like stroking their persimmon-headed driver like it's the greatest thing that's ever lived. Yeah. Um, they really hate what it's done to the game. And I'm still thinking to myself, before COVID hit, Riviera, that was a single-digit victory. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it was firm and fast and windy. Mm -hmm. The next week was Honda. Yeah. Windy, big-time wind. Mm -hmm. Another event won in single digits. Right. Bay Hill, they get the double digits, but three straight days of 20-plus mile-per-hour winds. Wind is the ultimate equalizer. Well, and then, I mean, if, if had we gone to Tampa um, after the players, well, after the, you know, this, yeah. yes, sorry, yeah. quote-unquote. Tampa is, a, I, 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 I had the fortune of playing that place. I don't even know when that was. Yeah, in the 2008, 2009, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Copperhead course. I mean, the rough around those green, yeah, that's not an easy place to play. No. Um, it's a if great there's a golf touch of wind, you know, even in those pines, I mean, forget about it. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be that. And the, always, when it gets into the single digits, uh, that's when, you know, those finishes are a little bit more exciting. And oh, you see that yeah. on 18 at, at, at the Copper course all the time. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, you still have to be, you still got to put it, it's, it's almost, you still have to put it in the right spot on the green, no matter if you're hitting a seven iron or if you're hitting a, a gap wedge or sandwich. Yeah. You know, you still have to be there. And then you still have to make the putts. You know, you can still, I'm, I mean, it kind of, I, I can't be on either side of this. Mm -hmm. I can't say either way. I just, you know, if there's a guy that's going to hit it a long way, there's a guy that's going to hit a long way. That's right. Okay. Very true. Yeah. And it's the same thing with amateur events too. I mean, there's going to be somebody that hits it a long way, but, you know, you go back to, I mean, I don't know how far Buddy Marucci was hitting it when he, when he was playing against Tiger in USAM at, what was that, Newport? Yeah. I mean, he couldn't, he had to have been a little bit behind him. Like a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, still, he's in the final match against Tiger in the U.S. Amateur. And gave him a little bit of a, gave yeah. him a little bit of a run. So I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I, he, I'm not on one side or the other. No. It's just. At the end of the day, it's all going to come out in the wash. Yeah, if they bring the ball yeah. back, Rory is still hitting it by everybody. Except right. Bryce edition, but, yeah. but I mean, Bryce is hitting it by everybody. And then like the normal, uh -huh. the normal obscenely long people like Rory and DJ and 
Kepka and, you know, Coke Rack and all those. Well, they don't need to make, and, you know, the one thing comes back to the golf course design thing and making things longer. But you go back to, what was it, 13, uh, U.S. Open at Marion. And that was, uh, Justin Rose won at, I think One under or two? One under. Uh, Maybe only one under. It may have been two. One under or one over. One of the two, maybe. It may have only been one over. But I can remember that week um, pretty vividly. I think it was 13. Wasn't it 13? I think so. Yeah, because it rained. It rained pretty hard Monday night, Tuesday night, and a little bit of Wednesday. So the the course was soft. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not a long course to begin with. And you'd think that the course being soft, the guys would absolutely dominate it. And he wins wins at one under. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, the thing I remember about that is Mickelson had it, made that eagle. He gets up on that 103-yard par three and hits it over the green. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, Phil. You're killing such me, a man. long. You know more. You know more about those shots than I know. I, I can't. Oh, like what? Sometimes I can. Re- I can remember numbers of people's lofts on their drivers from like seven years ago, but I couldn't remember watching golf tournaments. Yeah. When you know, to me, the the driver technology with the flash face and um all of the things that have been done to stabilize the face. And make it hot across the face. It's been remarkable. So, like, the Epic was like, whoa, jailbreak technology. That felt very different. First ball, I'm like, okay, I felt that. Then the Rogue was a little bit better, Mm -hmm. a little more forgiving. Right. And then the Epic Flash kicked in, and I was like, I hit the driver last year, the single diamond head. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm never playing another driver. Mm. So they're coming here like, you want to hit the Maverick? I'm like, I don't think I'm going to play the Maverick. I can't drive it any better than I'm driving the Epic yeah. Flash. Three balls later, I'm like, Epic what? Yeah. I never heard of it. Yeah. The Maverick is off the chart. But when you start looking at, because you get a chance to see this piece a lot more, right. is the driver technology and the face technology with the artificial intelligence. Give the Give the listeners out there a little taste of what it's like to see all of that go down. And the, like all of the, the iterations that the computers are spitting out, and what's the like? How how far is it going to go yet past where it is now? I you know, and that I, see that's the one thing is just you know, are we going to get faster? Are we going to get more forgiving? Yeah. Well, we're probably going to get, you know, we're probably going to get more. We're gonna, probably going to get faster because we're getting more forgiving. You know, does mm-hmm. that? I, I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but the AI face. You know, making it faster all across the face is also making it more stable across the face. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's one of the biggest things with with not only, you know, the recreational golfer, the amateur, but, but the pros too is, is, you know, can I get faster and more accurate at the same time? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that kind of goes back to our, our previous conversation about, you know, just being bigger in speed. You know, if you have a 200-mile-an-hour ball speed, you still need to find the fairway. You know, you could be hitting it from the rough, but, I mean – your, your chances go down and making birdie of coming out of the rough sometimes. Yeah. Depending on where we're playing and this kind of weird schedule we're at. Uh, some of these courses playing a little bit different at the wrong time of year, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, but, I mean, what, what R&D has done, um, uh, they've made strides uh, each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the adi- ideas have grown and grown and grown. And, and, you know, that's part of our job, too, is to – you know, gather the feedback from these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I mean, when your test group is the greatest players in the world, there's you know, 
there's hard to argue with what they're yeah. they're saying. So um, it's been very well received. Everything's been, I mean, year to year, it's going to be well received. You know, there's going to be some kind of tweak. Yeah. There might be a different footprint um, to a driver, uh, something that we kind of missing or something that, you know, maybe just got a little bit bigger. Uh, it kind of goes for like the tour max this year that we have. It's, uh, just a slightly bigger footprint, a little bit bigger than rogue, the standard rogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of those guys that came out of that and went into Epic, there's, you know, something comparable of what they were playing in the past. But I think we try to hit, I feel bad sometimes answering these questions cause I don't hit on the consumer side of things yeah kind of always hit on the because it's tough to you know if i if i have to put all my eggs in that one basket sure but um and i still think most people want to know about what the tour players are doing right anyway you know and and that's i I mean we have to kind of take the feedback from them and kind of go to r&d and say this is you know this is what we're seeing this is what uh these are what the trends are on the tour Mm -hmm. because not only are we you know not only are we trying to get our players into new equipment we're trying to get non-staffers into equipment that don't have you know direct deals with companies because yeah. um, that's a validation of your equipment right there is that you're not playing you're not paying anybody to use your equipment but they're using it anyway so yeah. um you know the feedback from us you know gives them a better idea of what shapes what kind of style spin characteristics downrange flight characteristics launch everything um and i think they're 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 hitting the nail right on the head so awesome um and the, you know they're already working or they started working on next year for, you know, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. So they're always trying to be ahead of the game. Um, and then tweak from here to there and we'll, we'll probably get prototype stuff, you know, in the, in the coming months just to get feedback from those guys before yeah. we do final products. So when's the new blade coming? Do we know? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you. Oh, okay. If I take the mic, if you hit, hit stop, stop on the recording and then maybe I'll let you know. <laughs> Um, I'm fired up though. I like I like the way it looks. There's quite a well. There's there's one. I, you've probably seen two iterations of it. Um, the one that's got the little bolt in the center of the of the back. Of well, the there's head. two. Yeah. See, there's there was two iterations of that one too. So. Oh, okay. Wow. And there was one. Yeah. I don't there's know. A lot how of, far there's a lot of to go. There's a lot of moving parts to that question. All right. I, yeah. I, there's a lot. I there's can, a lot. I, can, I don't know. I, I can be, I can veer I, off that question. It's, keep it like, close I'm, to I'm, the vest. I'm I, just really. I mean, the MBs right now are as good a blade as I've ever hit. Yes. They're so good. Yes, but, you know, the new one we're not making in left-handed, so. Really? I'm just kidding. Right. You always right. feel like <laughs> yeah, you're killing me, man. Yeah, one or two uh, sets. That's good job. Film, that's it. <laughs> no, but they, uh, yeah, it's it's been a uh, same thing, collective effort on that side. Uh, feedback from, from guys. Um, trends on tour. Uh, same thing with the wedges, yeah. you know, having, you know, being able to wa- work with Roger Cleveland is, that doesn't hurt. I love that guy. That guy's the greatest. He is so uh, nice. And, and, you know, it's the same thing as before, you know, absorbing information, you absorb and get to talk to, to Roger Cleveland. Uh, you know, it, it, you're going to learn no oh, matter yeah. what he's saying. That's right. He could be yelling at you, but still you're learning <laughs> something, you know? <laughs> so true. Um, so it, it's, it's incredible the, the the stuff that they've done in the last you know and I started with them in 2013 before uh, I left in the beginning of 18 but you know back again yeah. uh, you know just the people there and the concentration on on kind of every part of the game yeah uh, and every piece of equipment so true so. well the rise of as we're doing this interview right now it's Hartford week 
and obviously we got it's a totally different ball game out on the yeah. tour. Talk to us right now what like on the ground what's it like on a COVID-19 run PGA tour event. Great question because this this past week was uh something that I've never experienced. So last week in Hilton Head um well I'll take you back to Colonial. Um very fortunate that Nashville to Fort Worth, boom, straight shot, uh, American Airlines. So I, it, this whole thing kind of bothers me to a point, but doesn't really bother me. I kind of let it roll off my back. I don't know what to think about it. Yeah. I, it really hasn't been uh, – media says one thing, and the doctors say this thing, and then this, and then this. And so Constantly I, I just I have no idea. Yeah. Nobody knows. Can't, uh, is can't it the watch flu? Is it not the flu? It, people say coronavirus all the time. I know that's just a common cold. People say COVID-19. I have no idea. I'm with you on so, that. Colonial was interesting because it's the first week back after 13 weeks. So obviously you have – there's stuff that we can do in the meantime during this off time. And, and we did a lot of it. Fresh wedges, this, that, whatever they had, you know, and any anything that they had asked for. Yeah. Um, and then we get to Colonial and you kind of have to deal with this – you have to deal with this new structure of life. Um, and obviously you're being watched by all the tour employees at all times. So, you know, you build a golf club, got a mask on, going outside with gloves on, handing it off to these people at a sanitation station. They're wiping it down, making sure that the player gets it. Um, if you have to work with a player on the range, you need to get a pass from that player to be on the range. So, you know, in, in, in the world prior to this you know it was you could be out on the range just kind of looking for your next opportunity with whomever it may be um so this you know this back and forth with this sanitation station you know need regrips on my clubs well you got to take the clubs all out of the bag drop them at the sanitation station they get sanitized we get them change grips law flies back to the sanitation station wipe down everything you're good to go so it's a you know it's the days of going out there. Can you tweak this a little bit? Taking it from them, going to the trailer, coming back and handing it to them, gone. Yeah. I don't know for how long, um, and we'll see. Uh, but this this week, last week, and in, in Colonial, about the same. So sanitation station, everything passes to work with somebody on the range. Uh, now this past week, uh, all the reps got tested. Everybody that was going to be on site was going to get tested. So we got tested. We had to set up an appointment um, for whenever we got in. So we changed, I think I changed, we had changed my flight to like a 6 a.m. flight out of here on Sunday. Um, and then we did a test at about 1.30, 2 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, and then we got our re- results back Monday. But uh, every every rep, every every uh, representative, every manufacturer and or, you know, component company, you know, mm-hmm. shaft company or something was tested. So uh, I don't think... I don't think anybody tested positive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the players, you know, just talking to our players, you're getting tested prior to getting on the charter. When you land on the ground at the tournament, you know. and then Every day at the tournament? I don't know. I think when you get on site, I think you're getting tested. And then if you get a positive, you get to take it again. Yes. So to, make, to make sure that it's not a false Not a false positive. Not a false positive. So. I mean, like in Ricky's case, uh, Ricky Elliott's case, it was he positive and the second test was negative. Um, 
yeah, it was uh, it was a kind of a whirlwind, but still, uh, you know, I think they twenty approximately twenty eight hundred tests between the PGA Tour and the mm-hmm. Corn Ferry Tour, and I think seven positives. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. My it's got, it's got to be a little bit stressful. It's mostly because it's different, mm-hmm. but then it's you know, there's like it's you when you're the tour player, you have this routine that you've had for right. X amount of years. Yeah. And now that is radically altered. Right. And then your job has a has a nice rhythm and and predictability to it. That's rattled. Right. The swing coaches they're not even allowed on the driving range right now, are they? Are they mm, no, they're they're considered essential essential staff. So oh, they're okay. still in, they're still getting tested, but they're they're inside the bubble, I mm. believe. So they'll be tested every week as well. Got it. Um, do you have to do the Schwab test through the nose? We did not. We had to do a saliva test on Sunday. So, oh, um, that's way better than the things that I was doing. <laughs> think. Well, I mean, you would think so, but you try to figure out. I mean, the amount of saliva that we had to to produce was. Uh, I, I've never done that in my life before. <laughs> and you couldn't do anything thirty minutes prior, so no eating or oh, drinking or anything wow. for thirty minutes prior. So just trying to trying to produce that much saliva. <laughs> I mean the the vial. Uh, I was wow. like, wow. And after the first, <laughs> after the first, I was like, I got this. And then you're like, whoo, this is going to take a lot longer than I thought. So, uh, but the anxiety level uh, for me was, I mean, through the roof. Anyway, you know, yeah. going just going in there, uh, and then waiting for your results. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the so asymptomatic true. stories. Uh, so it was like, I don't, I don't know. Interesting. But. You know, I, for all the representatives that were out there, I think everybody was everybody tested negative. So yeah. that was a big win, yeah. I guess. Well, we've talked plenty about the things that you that make your your life fun and great. Has there been any particular point in your career where you had to face a level of adversity or had to f- dig deeper than you can ever remember having to to come out the other side? That becomes like a basis for you anytime you deal with a tough situation. Um. I mean, there's been quite a few, um, but I, I, I just sometimes I stress about things uh, when when big, you know, big adversity comes. But I, I, I'm more of a kind of just let it roll off the back kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's plenty of times when I was driving, you know, cross country with all these trailers that I used to, you know, drive from tournament to tournament that I would just, you know, you break down and, you know, you'd be sitting. I sat in Winslow, Arizona for like four days, but. I mean, it's just like what, you can't do anything about it, so don't let it bother you. Yeah. Um, broke down in f- middle of nowhere, Arizona, one time too. It was in, I think it was in Scottsdale. I had stayed in, had to stay in just outside of Scottsdale or in Phoenix for like a week and a half while something got fixed. Wow. Uh, but it was like can't do anything about it. So yeah. um, control your controllables. Yeah. So uh, to to kind of pinpoint one thing. Not so much, huh? I don't know. I tore my Achilles last year. How much fun was that? It, not fun at all, but, I mean, I worked on it the next day. Uh, that probably wasn't the right thing to do, but I could still <laughs> walk, so it was all right. Then yeah. uh, surgery uh, four days after the birth of my third child, so my wife was not very happy about that. Um, <laughs> but then was in a boot, like, two weeks later or yeah. something, three weeks later, and then back to work, yeah. so... Uh, I don't know. Big adverse. That's interesting. I don't know. 
when I stopped playing organized sports going into college. Yeah. I think that was one of the biggest things that I could never get over. Because uh, I grew up, I grew up just outside of New York City, about an hour and a half west of New York City, in New Jersey. I was there for 19 years. Uh, my parents moved to Brentwood when I was a freshman, second semester of my freshman year at Virginia Tech. So I've been here 19 years. So I've kind of oh, dual wow. citizenship. Nice. In the north and the south. <laughs> so, um, but I think, you know, us being here at a high school too, and I think is. You know, some of these some of these kids that have played, you know, I grew up playing. It was uh, soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the, you know, in the spring. Yeah. And it was base, it was usually it was soccer all year round and basketball all year round. Um, and you kind of get stuck in that schedule, uh, especially when you move into high school and you're still playing. I was playing soccer in the fall. Was basketball was pretty much my main, main focus. And then we played golf in the in the in the springtime. Uh, but I would play basketball all year round too. Oh, uh, I kind of gave up on the soccer side of things. I knew I wasn't that going to be that good. And I probably should have done the same with basketball. But uh, and then you go to college and you're not you're not an athlete anymore. You're just a student. <laughs> yeah, I right. think that's one of the biggest things that uh, I, you know, you, you think you can grasp that idea, but you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get stuck so far back because you hadn't thought about that yet, especially the schedule mm-hmm. <clears throat> of everything. Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, as, as mundane and small as that is, I think that's one of the biggest things. Uh, it sounds terrible to say that's adversity, but it is adversity. You're changing your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you don't have, you know, some set schedule. And you, were, you, were, did, you had moved to Brentwood just before you went to Virginia Tech or after you started? Beginning of my second semester. Ah, uh, okay. So I hadn't been down here yeah, so you had a long, You had a reasonably long drive from Jersey to Blacksburg. Jersey, Jersey to Blacksburg was eight, eight hours. Yeah. And then from here to Blacksburg was six. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting one. I don't know what else. My memory's terrible yeah, these days. Well, now we shift our gears to what we do to recharge our batteries. And historically speaking, although it is on hiatus at this particular point, it has a lot to do with doing a lot of things that a lot of people have like-mindedness about, like going to see their favorite football, basketball, baseball team, going to see their favorite band in a concert, going to see, you know, movie, theater, what have you, and then usually getting together with family and friends with great food and wine. Those are the, the highlights. So when we start thinking about your favorite music who's your favorite what's your favorite music who's your favorite band i uh i'm kind of a uh i'm kind of a purveyor of everything yeah um and i think that kind of goes back to the you know the regional the regional uh days Mm -hmm. so you know outside of new jersey outside of new york city you got all the you have the Z100, you have all the pop hits, top 40s, this, whatever. You have the kind of that hip-hop scene. You didn't have the country. Yeah. You know, you had the rock band. You had the 92.3 K-Rock in New York City, so you could hear all that. Uh, and then moving down here, you get a little bit more of that country influence. Um, I think that one of the first concerts I ever went to, there's a band called From Good Homes that they uh, grew up like a town next to me in New Jersey. They're from Sparta, New Jersey. Uh, and I think that the first time I saw them, I was like 15 or something. 
Nice. Uh, and they've been playing like reunion concerts for a while now. Oh, nice. Um, so I got back up there, I think twice or three times to see them as a reunion concert, but their last, you know, official one was the summer of 2000. So before I moved down here, hmm. um, but as a favorite music, not so much. Best concert you've ever been to? Best concert I've ever been to. Good gosh. Oh my. I don't even know. What did we do? I live in the music city and I don't get to see music as much as I should. We went last, what was it last year? Last year we saw, who did we see? Thomas Rhett, Kenny Chesney. Oh, and that, that Old football Dominion. stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. Was that there. was pretty good. That was the first time I've seen Kenny Chesney. Yeah, had never never seen either he, all, all three of them. Yeah, me either. I'm not um, a big country music guy, but I do like Kenny Chesney. Yeah, but that guy's an entertainer. But he crushes it. My wife worked for Nissan, so we we might have got a early early in on some of the tickets at nice. Nissan Stadium. But uh, yeah, going to concert with her. I think that's a big concert. First concert I ever went to with her. Uh huh. So it's been. Now, actually, I take that back. I took her to go see From Good Homes in New Jersey. Next day, we went into New York City, and we got engaged uh, in Rockefeller Plaza. Oh, nice. So Well done. I think that was the first concert that we went to together. And I could be wrong about that, but considering she's probably not going to listen to this, I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. She's got nothing against you. She just doesn't have much time on her hands. I understand. You got three of them. Yes. Keep you, keep you running. Whew. It'll keep you running. Yeah. But, Fair. yeah, I don't know. Music. Anything. Yeah. Literally just, anything. Anything with a good beat. You can handle it. You know, I, could, I, I, I want to say it doesn't sound terrible, too, but I couldn't care less about the lyrics. Yeah. Unless the, the lyrics actually, you know, you listen to it again, you're like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but the beat, you know, the, kind of the beat that keeps you going. Yeah. But music. Music's undefeated. So. Jay, Jay-Z or the Beastie Boys? Whew, that's a tough one. Both? Can I can I say both? <laughs> no, you can't can say, say both. both. Uh, I love the Beastie Boys. Man. I love the Beastie Boys too, but Jay Z would probably be. Uh, no, no, no. Jay, uh, like I, I asked, like the the, a, the, a, the rap guys that come on here, right? I said, does Jay Z belong on the Mount Rushmore of rap? And uniformly, everybody says yes. And I'm like, man, that doesn't seem like he's my guy on. Well, he would be on the rap scene of it. It has to be, but I, mean, uh, I just. I'm not a big fan. I like he but doesn't. BC Boys, with me. Are, I would consider BC Boys more hip hop than it would be rap. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's a distinct difference. Yeah. Good so point. like on the hip hop side of things, I think the BC Boys are there. You know, that goes back to kind of Run DMC too. That's yeah. hip hop. Um, on the hip hop side of things, it'd be like Jurassic Five would be another one. Ooh. Um, yeah, I've been back into Jurassic Five for a couple of weeks now. Nice. That and uh, the roots and uh, most deaf. Most deaf. Talib Kweli, kind of that whole Dave Chappelle show scene. Yeah, right on. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of free time on our hands. <laughs> That's so true. And when you get, we we finally did Spotify. So, gosh, you can go real deep. Oh, it's real deep. That's some good stuff right there. But yeah, I love Spotify. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a purveyor of all things music. Love it. Favorite sports team when you were growing up? Uh, I was named after Kellen Winslow. So I've been a Chargers fan Charger. since birth. Nice. And you know, a Chargers fan from New Jersey that now lives in Tennessee. 
and I got to go to, I took my son to the game this past year uh, when we couldn't run the ball in from the Titans one yard line three times in a row. And then Melvin Gordon fumbled. Again. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, Chargers. Uh, and my parents grew up in Baltimore. So, oh. uh, Orioles fan. I'm just, baseball just doesn't do it for me Not sometimes. Anymore. I was at Eddie Murray, Cal Ripken. Right. I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I was, and Baltimore's 45 minutes from hometown, and Philly and Pittsburgh were four right. hours. So, very south central part of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So it was the Orioles. I mean, at first I was the Pirates, but it was Willie Stargell was yeah. my favorite player when I was six. Right. And I was a first baseman and a pitcher. So I loved Eddie Murray and Willie Stargell, and I loved Nolan Ryan and Dwight Gooden. There you go. As my pitchers. And but I love the birds, man. And it's so sad because they're so bad. They're so bad. So bad. But you go back to, like, those good years, you know, Ripken and uh... – and then uh, what's the kid's name? See, I grew up, like, my my grandfather and my grandmother lived, my mother's parents, they lived uh, on the Jersey Shore. They mm -hmm. lived in, um, God, why is this eluding me? Near Red Bank. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. Gosh, what is it called? No, nah, it's going to bother me. Um, but every time we went down there, my grandfather would be watching MSG. So he'd be watching the, the Yankees play baseball. And he didn't like the Yankees. He hated the Yankees. But he watched the Yankees all the time. So it was like, a, you know, I like the Orioles and whoever's playing the Yankees. But it was the funniest thing. I, I, I should have asked him, you know, to this day I wanted to, rest in peace, but, like, did you really like the Yankees or did you like the Orioles? Because he grew up in Baltimore too. So yeah. it was like but he'd always watch him probably because of the hatred for him. But I think he secretly may have liked him a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's that jealousy thing. I think yeah. I'm not a big Yankees fan, but I almost wonder if I find myself in that group. I don't root for them. Right. But if they're on it's you're watching history, right? It's like watching the Celtics or the Lakers or the Cowboys and now the Patriots. It's like you're, something's going to happen. This is the greatest team in the history of the sport. I use it sometimes too. Jealousy. It's yeah. jealousy. Is it's is love disguised as hate? Yeah, that's what I think. You Ooh, see, I love you, you want to say you hate somebody, but essentially your team's not playing as good as they are, so you're jealous of them. Mm. You that's hate it for that. That's how I feel about Alabama football. <laughs> see, college football, I couldn't like. I don't. It doesn't make any difference. My dad went to Georgia Tech. Had to root for them when we were when I was younger. I, I the college football thing. I just you know it's good football. Uh, and moving down here, you get to see a lot more of it. Uh, in Jersey, it was like... It's hard to got, get fired up about Rutgers. Well, I mean, you get Notre Dame on, on NBC. That's all we did. You yeah, know, that's all we Penn really Penn State got. Notre Dame, right? Penn State, Notre Dame. Um, and yeah, that's about that's it. That's about it. Because yeah. Syracuse for like two years when you were like nine. Yeah, and McNabb was there or something. Um, <laughs> that's right. But it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as prolific. I mean, it wasn't really on TV. Yeah. No, uh, except for Notre Dame, yeah. you know, it's because of that contract with NBC. But, um, yeah, and then basketball-wise, uh, I was always a huge Grant Hill fan, Grant um, Hill. which, you know, some people said I was a Duke fan, which is kind of interesting. But uh, I, I used to go to Bobby Hurley Sr.'s basketball camp. I went there for probably three or four summers huh. uh, just outside the city in Fort Lee. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I get, you know, met Danny Hurley, met Bobby Hurley Jr. So, uh, and then all the guys that had went to St. Patrick's who we coached, uh, a lot of them went to either Duke or went to Kentucky or yeah. something like that. So, um, but now I don't know. I don't really root for any NBA teams. No. It's kind of the NBA's. Hmm, yeah, it's so strange because college basketball is almost dead, mm-hmm. and NBA basketball is so predictable. Bleh. It's predictable. Yeah, you know who's going to win. You know who's going to get fouls called on them or for them. Um, and it's just not as great as you know. I'm lucky enough, you know, late '80s, early '90s, even you know the end of the Jordan era. Yeah. Um, I got to watch that. That was awesome. The Last Dance. I was going to ask you about that. That was good. That they was did a really, really, really good. good job there. I wish they had. I, I knew it was going to be like a Jordan-centric kind of thing, but you know, uh, I had the great fortune. I'll play with my brother in the middle of July uh, at the University of Louisville Golf Club, and Will Purdue's a member, uh, so we'll play kind of that. You know, after uh, me and my brother lose not make it to the big show yet again because <laughs> we come in too low handicaps and give away too many shots in a nine-hole format. Uh-huh. We'll play like a, a scramble with all the other groups that are not watching that final thing. And uh, I think two years in a row, we Will's been on our team. Oh, cool. And so I've seen him at a couple events too. He's been playing in Pro-Am. So, you know, I get to ask him a bunch of questions about that stuff. But uh, I wish they just did a lot more interviews from everybody else. Um, and they kind of stuck with Pippen and Kerr, yeah, and Rodman, yeah, and, and Phil had, Jackson. Oh man, but you got you had Bill Wennington sitting there. There was a lot of Wennington. answering some questions. Yeah, that was uh, that great facial hair that he has. Yeah, no doubt. So that was uh, that was cool. There are so many interesting stories that I either forgot about or didn't know about. Right, like I didn't know the I didn't know the like the hatred between Jordan and Horace Grant. I had never I didn't heard know that, that story. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. And I remember him being. I don't remember him getting that much money to go to the Magic either. I didn't know he was that good at that time. I didn't know he was a singular kind of presence to change a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, what do I know? It's it. I, I, I want to watch it back again, like binge it. Yeah. Because I think, I think it's different. If you did ten straight you, hours. Yeah. If you just did that, if you did all the episodes at once rather than wait in the week, and you mm-hmm. know, it's got to be a little bit different. No doubt. Very true. So, I thought it was really, really, it was perfect for ESPN and perfect for that because there was nothing on TV. Mm-hmm. And they, they definitely oh, they moved it up. Yeah, they, they moved, moved it up way, quite a bit. And it was really, really, really interesting yeah. and good. Very well done. Yeah. If you, if, would you say that MJ is the greatest? Or would, like if you had like the most popular, it's LeBron, Kobe, or MJ? I don't know. Jordan. Yeah. You know, you know, the problem with it, out at Riv, I think it was, I don't remember what year it was, we went to a Lakers game. Kobe had like uh, eight points or something. It was like his lowest total ever at, at the Staples Center. I was there. Uh, interesting. Huh. Uh, and then I went to Staples Center again this year, watched them play. Uh, who'd they play? I can't remember where they played. Nuggets, maybe? No, wasn't the Nuggets. I don't know. It was kind of a blowout, but. Um, I don't know. LeBron's LeBron a big play. boy. Yeah, he's a, he's a large human being. Yes. Um, he's like know. he's like Shaquille O'Neal in Michael Jordan's body. He is a yes. He is a very large man. Yes, but I I mean, 
He's good. Jordan's good. I don't think LeBron's be getting gotten beat up like Jordan did. That's another thing that people forget. I definitely forgot. Yeah. Especially earlier with the Pistons. Boy, they beat him to yeah. death. So, so did the Celtics too. Yeah. But I mean the Pistons took it to a whole new level. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Kind of ruined it for me. There's gonna be a kid that comes up that has uh that's six eight, two forty, that you know can play like Jordan, has the mindset of Kobe and is the you know, the body of, of, LeBron. of LeBron. Yeah. Somebody at some point. So Yeah. And that's gonna be a completely <laughs> different debate. But <laughs> I mean that's all it is is to cause chaos in the yeah. media so people have something to talk about. No, so very true. I am not an expert on it. Yeah. Uh but I love Jordan growing up. Love Grant Hill. Grant Hill would have been one of the best in the world had he not gotten injured hurt his ankles. Yeah. So he was so good. Yeah. Great guy too. Yeah. Great guy. Another popular question here in the uh, in the beverage portion is that I, I'm a wine guy. Okay. But I've found myself in the brown water group, like mm. many of my last 10 or 12. They're like, well, I, don't, I, mean, I like wine, but I'm more of a bourbon guy. And then, and then the, just when I think that I'm going to have to throw craft beers out the window, I get like two craft beer guys in a Oof. row. So if you had to sit down with a group of guys, would you be a beer, bourbon, or wine guy? Are we talking like a dinner or like a our neighborhood poker game? Um, something that would fill your cup up the most, whether it's poker or whether it's just dinner and hanging out with 12 of your favorite people. That would probably be the poker game that we do a lot. And that's usually, I mean, we stick in the neighborhood. Our neighborhood's so great. Um, you know, that 5 o'clock, almost like that 5 o'clock horn sounds and, and the kids are outside playing with each other and the parents are... Um, watching them, I guess you could say, with a, a late <laughs> afternoon cocktail. But uh, no, I didn't. Uh, my dad started collecting bourbon, I want to say like 2006 2007. He kind of really got into it when he moved down here. Uh, my wife's from Louisville, so she's always kind of been Maker's Mark, Old Forester, whether mm. it's you know the green label, blue label, whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not that deep into the game. Um, Tito's also like a nice Tito's. Mm -hmm. um, red wine, love a red wine. Yeah, got a favorite um, red wine? Oh gosh, I'll tell you what. Last year, funny story. Uh, Corn Ferry Tour. Craig Bowden, you know the name. Oh yeah, he's a KBS uh, chef rep out there. He played on tour for a while too. Played on tour for quite some time. Uh, played in the PJ Championship in either last year or St. Louis. He played last year. Uh -huh. Um. So he plays quite a bit, and he's trying to play on uh, Champions Tour whenever they do come back. Yeah. Uh, great player. Fine purveyor of wine. Um, and he was nice enough to uh, grab two bottles of wine one night. I think we are in Kansas City. He bought a bottle of Camus, and then he bought a bottle of Hall. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we had the bottle of Camus first. Uh, there was quite a few people, so it didn't last very long. Um and then the bottle of Hall he opened up, I was, I was blown away by it. And it was much cheaper than the games. Yeah. <laughs> but still out of my ballpark range with, with the kids. Yeah. Um, but the Hall was, that was special. Yeah. Um, and then Prisoner, always a good one. Never let you down. No. The Prisoner um, is solid. Yes. Um, but we, we tend to go like, uh, you know, if we're going to do something special, which sounds weird, but um, 
you know, like I, I don't, I don't spend, I don't, I don't like to spend money on myself. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't spend too much money on a bottle of wine or like a really good bottle of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like an educated guess for like a 20 something dollar <laughs> range, always a good one. Yeah. Um, in this quarantine time, we've lived off of, uh, the Boda Box, Boda Box. Was quite good. a bit. Uh, the Nighthawk Red blend, oh, I believe yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm very easy to please. Um, so it's been uh, either Tito's, Miller Lite, or a Boda Box. Nice. Excellent. When, uh, what's your favorite favorite movie? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I, I tend to be more of a comedy guy. Uh and nothing like I always get I always get you know laughed at for never seeing a whole Star Wars movie <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen from beginning to end Star Wars or like a Lord of the Rings yeah. I don't do the fiction very well yeah uh, even like books like fantasy like fantasy yeah, fiction yeah no and I don't do like the fiction books very well I do a lot of I like a lot of nonfiction books. If mm. you looked at all the books I do have, it's really nonfiction stuff. Yeah. Like historical stuff. Um, but comedies. I think comedies, you know, like a Caddyshack or a Young Frankenstein or Steen. Young Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my dad's favorites. Gene Wilder and Terry Garr. Uh, he always loved Terry Garr. So we always had that on like VHS or something. Yeah. Um, and then going into like the new stuff, like an old school or like Wedding Crashers or. So to me, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. The first hour of Wedding Crashers, I think yeah. I've had to hit the pause button like four or five times just so that I can catch my breath so that yeah. I don't mix the, miss the next thing Vince Vaughn says. That guy cracks me up. Yeah. He is the funniest dude. But I still say that one for just good old fashioned humor. Yes. But there's something about Mary and American Pie. They came out kind of back to back. Right. And they turned the volume up on shock humor. Right. So, like, the, I remember the first time I watched There's Something About Mary. I'm, like, eight minutes in, and you get the beans and franks. And I'm, like, I cannot believe I just saw that. I mean, I've fallen on the floor. Yeah. The, are you kidding me? Did I just, I just come I, to a movie theater to see that? That the, the thing about that kind of started, like, the martyr of Ben Stiller, though. Yeah. And it was, like, always his, you know, he, he always, I always... You know, at some point, you just feel bad for him and, like, meet the parents. And um, what was the one on the uh, – when he was doing the, the scuba? You do a scuba? He lost his wife on the job or something, but I don't know. I, I don't remember what it was. He, but he, then uh, Christopher Guest movies, anything Christopher Guest. So, like, uh, Spinal Tap oh, yeah. or uh, A Mighty Wind is always a good one. Best in Show. Those oh, are yeah. very dry humor stuff. That is, it, it's just hilarious. Yeah, to me. it is. I love that. Best in show. Solid. If you have it, have you seen A Mighty Wind? No, I've never heard of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is, that's one you need to. I need to check that it's, out. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's essentially the same as Best in Show, but it's uh, folk singing groups. Oh. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's very I'll special. Check that out. Very special. I have to check that out. Yeah, you need to. That that's a a fast recommendation. So, nice. Yeah. I need fast recommendations because well, I'm yeah. I'm on the I'm on the further side of kids than you. Yes. So like, it's been a long time since I've been to a movie theater. I mean, I see, that, there's big... years of movies that I've yeah. missed. I mean, I'm like, I get asked all the time. Have you seen this? One? Uh, nope, never heard of it. Uh, so right. I've missed a lot. 
So I'm yeah, always looking for I'm looking for some good ones. Some of these stuff that like win the Oscars and stuff. I haven't watched any of that stuff either. Yeah. I wish I had t- I, like I, I'll catch up on some stuff if I get a TV in front of me on a plane. Yeah. But I, I really don't. I mean, we have Netflix, but it's mostly uh, you know either Super Wings or uh, whatever the new thing is on Netflix for kids. So yeah, yeah, we don't get much time. <laughs> and I haven't been in the movie theaters and. Gosh, I didn't even know they they serve beer and they serve food to you now at movie theaters. I haven't been to any of that, so yeah, it's been a long time. I feel I feel like I'm I'm aging myself and how boring I am, but that's essentially uh, that that's that's yeah. I don't like to spend any money on myself, so it's all for the kids. Excellent. Last question: You get one final round of golf. What golf course are you playing, and who are your three partners? Okay, this is going to be an interesting answer because there's a lot of places I've played that are very, very good. But there's one course, um, and I don't know. How, did you ask this question to Kevin? Because I, I think he's, he's played this course before. There's a course in in the middle of Pennsylvania, not in the middle of Pennsylvania, but where 80 and 81 meet. So just south of Scranton, so you kind of know that mm-hmm. area. Um, it's called Valley Country Club. It is like a 1911 or 19, early 1900 mm. tilling hast. And it's 6,200 6, yards maybe. But we used to stop there, park trucks there. And Frankie, uh, head pro at the place now, I think he's general manager of it as well. And, you know, he let us go for, you know, a couple of days. And it is one of the coolest places, always in great condition. Yeah. And I think uh, I always tell people that that if I had to play a golf course every day, I'd play there every day. Tillinghast has done a lot of stuff over in that oh, area. Oh yeah, and we've played like a Wyoming Valley over there uh, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's uh, that one's special. That one's rarely special. That's interesting. I'm, I've never played it. Yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. I just never played it. Um, to it, me, Cypress Point is in its own category of wow. Yeah, and I played there once, but I. I I don't know. I play there. I've only played there one time. I don't. I, I like the inland stuff. Yeah. The holes on the water are, are awesome, but I don't know. So I found. I find like I tell people, Tom, I get one round of golf. I'm playing Cypress Point. But if you're going to give me a whole weekend on this conversation, right? I'm going to Bandon Dunes. Never been. Oh God. I've never been. Place ever. I try it's, to pinpoint. I try to. Uh, I like. Uh, I'm a big like. I, I don't do any like collecting of anything but i always keep us the pencil from mm-hmm. the places i play so i have like a million golf pencils and it's been going on i have some stuff from like my sophomore year of high school playing you know obscure place mm-hmm. whatever in a not you know the nine hole matches we used to play up in jersey um and then you pull like you pull one out and it's like cypress point and then there's something else and then there's floyd data country club which is in the middle of texas um Dean, you've met Dean that works for Callaway. Uh-huh. He's got a ranch out in Spur. And we've been to, you know, we've gone to Floyd Data and played Floyd Data Country Club. And we were the only eight people out there or something. Wow. But I got a pencil that says Floyd Data Country Club that could go right along with Cypress Point. So interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. So we're playing Valley Country Club. Valley who, who, Country are your, Club. who are your three partners? Uh, I have to play with my dad and my brother. Um, we play a lot of golf together. Uh, my dad gets so nervous playing with me and my brothers. It, he plays so well. He plays over at Nashville Golf and Athletic, 
and he plays with his same group all the time. Uh, but I would definitely play with my dad and my brother, and um, I'd probably play with my brother-in-law too, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good time right there. Yeah. Well, Con, I can't thank you enough for coming on my, on The Verge and discussing the, what it's like on the tour, equipment, the golf balls, the stories of the players. And you shared a couple of movies with me that I didn't know about, so I got, I got something yeah, to do. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on there. Thank Thanks you so for having me. I appreciate it, pleasure, buddy. Man. That was awesome. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you, or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.